Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. Hey, let me explain what is going on, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing here today. Um, One thing we know, one thing you now know, is that we live in a world that is filled with terrorism. You've seen the news lately, and you know what's happening in the Middle East, and it's scaring a lot of us over here in the West. And the truth of the matter is, we're just sort of waking up to an ongoing issue that has been part of our planet since the very beginning, and terrorism has been around. And it's just like we're waking up to the fact that people don't like us and want to manage us or kill us. And Dave and his family live with terrorism. They live in an area where terrorism exists. Not only do they live in it, they've been called to it. And so they actually run toward it. And it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked one when it comes. And we're dealing with a family, and we've been working with them, but this is a family Um, who wants to help victims directly affected by terrorism to rescue them out of it and give them a life and a hope. So um, I'm sitting next to, and you are seeing, one of the most unique individuals uh, that I've ever met, but I think that is on this earth. There's just a very interesting calling, Dave. I'm thrilled to meet you and and thrilled that you're here. Um, Why are you living in Thailand? You were raised there as a mission kid. But you have an interesting journey we're going to get into, and we're going to see clips. But why are you there? I know the short answer. You're going to tell me you were called there, but give me some more detail. Okay. I had left the military. I was in Fuller Seminary. and well, You were in the military, but you weren't just in the military. You were... I was in the, the part that goes boom, boom, bang, bang. Yeah, but and, the, um, and that's, so you were a Green Beret, Special Force. Right. I was in the 2nd Ranger Battalion first as a Ranger officer, and then in Special Forces, first, first group. And so got to go all over the world, like legalized mayhem, and I liked it. But um, that's what scares me a little bit about you, Dave. Go ahead. We we all like it. But I I didn't always put God first. I, I think I was a proper Pharisee where there's the temple of God, and then before that, in my life, I can put other temples. And for me, it was the temple of the warrior. Even though I'm a little guy, man, not impressive at all, but, you know, we all think we're something. And... I go to the temple of the warrior first, and then I go to the temple of God. That's a violation of the first commandment. So you're lost, man. And I think it's what the Pharisees, that was their problem. They went to God's temple, but there was something else first before Mm. God. So anyways, after I failed completely and was on my knees calling on Jesus to help me, I I, I thought I wasn't good enough to be a missionary then. I'm I'm a loser, man. But I read Isaiah 6, 8, where God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, man, I'm, I'm God, I'm a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. God purifies him and says, go. And I think that's really what God tells all of us. It's you don't decide how good you are. You decide what you obey. Just obey. And that's how I, so I got out of the army. I was in seminary and my dad contacted me. I was actually dating. I, I never dated my wife. She wouldn't date me. I would take her on mountain climbs. But um, I, I was seeing her. And my dad called me from Thailand because he's still a missionary there. And he said, these tribal leaders from Burma, which is in a civil war, 
They've come to ask for help from the U.S. government and from the United Nations. They didn't get any help, so they came to the missionaries. And there's a picture of me on the wall in mom and dad's house in my uniform and green beret. And they know what that is. And they said, we are a warrior people and we need Jesus. Is that man a Christian? Pointing to my picture because he's a warrior. Yes, send him. And so my dad and I prayed and I turned to Karen, who had asked twice to marry me with no effect, and said, I love you. I wish you'd marry me, but I got to go. And I thought I'd be this lonely monk, really lousy monk, Christian guy in Burma. But three days later, I can't see you as a monk. No, a lousy one. And three days later, we were engaged, got married in Malibu, right on the ocean. It was awesome. And then our honeymoon is going into Burma. And being with the Wa people. You married a woman and took her to the other side of the earth as a mission wife. Yeah, humping a big rucksack. I mean, she's not, she's not very big. And the backpack's this big and she's tough. Wow. So you live in a part of the world that has conflict. Tell us a little bit about the dynamics of that conflict. What's a conflict between? Well, Burma, earlier I, I backed up to World War II. I'm going to back up even further. Burma was originally settled by many ethnic tribes from different parts of Southeast Asia. And they lived in the mountains where, and not, didn't really fight each other that much because they were separated by terrain. Later, the Burman people, who are the majority people, kind of like us Caucasian Americans, came later. But they were more numerous and more organized. And they took over the country. And they didn't follow God. And they actually have a whole pantheon of demons that many people believe in. And they became an open conflict, this minority, new majority group called the Burmans, against the ethnic minorities. And again, I want to be careful. It's not like one group's good, one group's bad. It's not. They're all people. But they fought the ethnic peoples. In World War II, when the Japanese invaded Asia, um, the Burman majority joined the Japanese against the Allies. The ethnics, who were many of whom were Christian, joined the Allies against the Japanese. When the war was over, the ethnics thought they'd get independence because of that in Burma. They didn't. And then in Burma, the Burmans were taken over by a dictator that not only oppressed the Burmans, as dictatorships do, but attacked the minority groups. So that was 1948, New Year's 1949. So 65 years of civil war right now, the longest running war in the world is happening right now, and that's in Burma. And there's many um, new changes and some progress, and maybe this war will end, but it's still going on right now. So the people that are being uh, hassled by the Burmese army, the Burmese government, they're, they have no homeland. They're internally displaced people. Right, about a million people hiding in the jungle. Uh, over 3,500 villages burned and destroyed. And you ask me, you know, why is this happening? I think one is the power of evil and darkness. That's the... the the part where Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against powers and principalities, but there is a name, Jesus, and his power destroys that. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. Mm. And I think he's calling us to join him in that. Mm. When he said to Peter, on this rock I build this church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means go. And, and not in our power, but in his power. Not to destroy people, to destroy the works of the devil. To, to help people. So, in... In Burma, you have this darkness that we fight only with God's power. And then you have the other human things that are connected. Greed. Hey, I want these ethnic people's land. They may have gold there. There's timber. I want it. Give it to me. And the ethnic people say, no, that's how I live. So the Burma army comes with guns and starts shooting at them. This is 65 years ago to this day. So then greed and then hate and discrimination. You guys are another ethnic group. You're hill monkeys. We're the real people. And 
they kill them. When they kill the ethnic people, the ethnic people fight back. That makes the dictators afraid. So they attack even more. And so it's hate, greed, fear, all tied up under the demonic. And that's what's going on in Burma now. Um, so you've been over there how many years doing this? 21 years. 21 years. And you, you have a group called the Free Burma Rangers. Essentially, right. you're an army of rescuers. Is that right? Right. I, you know, sometimes we don't rescue a lot of people. They've already run away. We go find out where they're hiding and be with them, evacuate the sick or, or seriously wounded, pray with them, remind them God's with them, share the gospel, give material supplies like blankets, mosquito nets, sometimes help them move away. But often it's just being with them in their new hiding place. And then we then part of us will go back to where the Burma army is destroyed to document what's happening. Are they afraid of you when you come to find them? Do they know who you are? They know who we are. They know who you are. So they've heard about you and they're kind of hoping you'll come. Yeah, they're not afraid. Although one of my team leaders, he's the, pa- the chaplain for our teams, he told me about one place he went. It was a sub-tribe that had not connected with anybody else and we'd never met them. And they'd been attacked, 5,000 of them. They were hiding. There's landmines all around them and the enemy is coming. So he went and he said, I said, was it dangerous? He said, oh, tra, tra means teacher, more than dangerous. We were walking in each person's step because there's mines everywhere. And when I arrived at these people, they looked at me, they're afraid of everything. They're afraid of the Burma army, they're afraid of the demons. And they looked at me, they're afraid of me. And I said, this is not me, the pastor said this, don't be afraid. I'm an angel sent from God to help you. I mean, would you dare say that? I'm an angel. But you know, one of the definitions of angel is messenger of God. And those people, many of them came to the Lord and then help was given. And I just told that story because sometimes they are afraid. Yes. I only met one angel and I married her. Yes. That's it. Okay. So listen, we want to show a little video of the free Burma Rangers. We have a little clip and then we'll get back into this. The greatest things of life are not visible, but we feel them. What does that look like? How can we steward this gift of life? Here comes the pressure. What should I do? God, what should I do? It's always a constant struggle, especially as my kids grow up. There's a lot going on in the world that is really worth doing. As a mom, as a teacher, what's the most important thing? Now we're on to the family part. It's very hard for a male moose or a bull to have a family. Pretty cute. Oh, no. <laughs> I used to call my vocation fear management. Wives whose husbands are in the military or lots of people have dangerous careers. What is my role? I want to be where I'm most needed. And I feel that's where people are in, when they're being attacked, when they're in, in trouble. Over 50 years of civil war have left Burma one of the poorest countries in the world. The military dictatorship attacks its own people, killing thousands and leaving millions displaced. When I first saw the fighting on the border, I thought, man, it's just wrong. Little girls raped, villages burned. I want to do something. And I said, Lord, should I do something? Can I do something? And I just felt, go. Burmari troops began their attack on Namgao village on 30 January, firing at villagers and merchants and capturing 18 villagers. Easy way, hard way. Hard way. Remind people of the good news that you are worth something. And what's happening to you is wrong. We're going to stand with you. We're going to help you. Even if we die trying, we're not going to leave you. I felt this little conversation with God happen. If something happened to Dave, 
would you be mad at me or would we still be as close? What are we doing? Are we doing good? Are we making it worse? God, what do you want us to do? I'm so mad at this, God. Why haven't you fixed it? You know, I don't really want to lose my dad and only 13. It's not very fun. I have to have faith that he will come back. Whenever I wonder what I'm doing out here, is it worth the risk or am I making any difference at all? Have I the wrong motives? When I think of people who've suffered great injustice and pain, then I think, oh, this is our place. Just be with them. This is our place. Dave, nobody knows about this conflict. I mean, we see these pictures, but for most of us Americans, this is new to us. And yet, um, this is what you do and what you're called to. Are there any similarities between terrorism that we're hearing about spreading around Africa and the Middle East and the terrorism that you live with? Yeah, I think it's the same route. Um, and that's greed, selfishness, hate, fear, um, an ideology you can rally around and give yourself to, it just happens to be a bad one, an evil one. And I, I think it, it's either God's ideology or it's something else, and that something else is going to be of Satan and connected to him in some way, and that's the real choice. And what I see is in Burma, the Burma army attacks the people indiscriminately. If you're a man or a woman, you're a kid and you're a civilian, you're there, you can, you can get shot. And even on our team, we have one of our new believers who just was baptized this year. He was a Burma soldier and he left the Burma army. He shot his own commander actually. So that's, he didn't have to do that to leave the Burma army. He's the bad guy. Fled to the resistance, the ethnic resistance that's fighting the dictators. And then we, we helped the people through that resistance movement. He joined the resistance, heard about us, and said, can I join the Free Burma Rangers? Sure. You, you don't have to be a Christian to join us. You have to do this for love. You have to be able to read and write. And you can't run if the people can't run. You have to be the last, last person out. And he said, I'll join. And when he joined, he heard the gospel because we share it every day in our training camp. And he said, could Jesus forgive me? I've killed men, women, and children. Yes, he can forgive you. He said, I even killed a pregnant woman, and I knew what I was doing. That's a, that is terrorism. That's one of the examples of it. And I thought, there's not many things worse. Killing a pregnant woman, you've killed two people and in that state. And I just thought, yes, that's what Jesus came to do. And you were telling me last night about this is what Jesus was on the cross to do. And if he forgives, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. In a way, they know exactly what they're doing. They're nailing on the cross. A terrorist knows exactly what he's doing when he's going to set off a bomb to kill anybody on the plane or anyone anyway. They know exactly. So what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about they're following Satan. They don't know what they're doing, really. Mm -hmm. They don't know where they're going. And they're on their way to hell. And they're living in it and they're spreading it. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So we're counter to that. And we can't be led by fear and hate. We're going to be just like them. Or wimpier. We, you know, the thing about terrorists, they put it all on the table. Fortune, um, reputation, um, and their lives. It's all on the table. You want to take them on? You better put it all on the table. You can't just go, well, I'll kind of, kind of be there. No way, man. It's all on the table. But we will prevail because love will prevail. 
because the power of Jesus is greater than that. But you can't do it halfway. Amy Carmichael said, while we're counting the cost, Satan's busy buying up the territory. And so the way that we have to go at it, and I tell our guys this because I have to tell myself this when I'm afraid, is when you're afraid, ask God for love. Go in the power of that love. It's amazing what love does. You don't think you're brave. You're just doing it in his love. What I hear is a a whole different approach to terrorism because most of the talk is how do we protect ourselves from it. You go into it to protect others who are victims of it. Right. I think you have to go into it because if you don't, it's going to come to you on its, its terms. You don't want that. And then Jesus told Peter, on this rock I build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means go. And you don't go in, we don't go in our power. That's a great thing. We don't go because we're sinless. We are sinful. We depend on his mercy. We want to give mercy. We all need it. We go in his power forward, right into it. And how does that work out in real life right now with ISIS or someone? You can talk, all this nice talk amongst you and me. No one's shooting at us right now. Someone comes in that door shooting. What are you really going to do? And I think the very first thing is pray. The second thing, and listen, what does he tell us? Often Jesus has told me this, use my name. Use my name. In Jesus' name, stop. What if he doesn't stop? What do you do then? And the what ifs are up to the Lord, but I think there is a time you go and engage with that person. And God will tell you whether you're going to go and say, in Jesus' name, stop, or I love you, or you're going to tackle them, or you're going to shoot them. I don't know. God knows. But I think if you get to that point, man, I'm getting way past your question, (laughs) Um, where this guy's coming in and he's going to kill everybody in here he can, and you ask the Lord, and the Lord operates quick, what to do, if it does mean you fight that person, you're fighting him also because you love him. Because what he's, you're not just protecting yourself, you're helping him because it's the wrong way, man. It's not just, I don't care about you, just don't hurt me. No, 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 I care about you. You trying to hurt me is bad for you. And I think it's not just us against them then. We're all in this. That's the wrong way and we'll stand against it as God leads us. And maybe that even means you fight. For me, and in Burma, most of the time, it means we don't fight. And I ask God, man, I'm a ranger, special forces. Why, not, why can't I go kill these guys? But God, is, I think, says, you can do it if you want, but I've got something else for you to do. Are you going to obey me or not? And so for us, our job is not to fight. We're not pacifists. But our job is to give help, hope, and love, to share the gospel, and stand with the people. And we, and we can fight if we have to. But that's, I wanted that to be the Lord's direction, not my own. Boy, I'm glad you're listening to the Lord and that he's speaking to you as I hear you talk uh, and what you're going through. Um, Tell us about the first time you came to Thailand and you met, uh, came back to Thailand, you were raised there, but when you came there on this mission, you said yes to the Lord, you followed his calling, and you were going through the jungle with medicine and you met somebody very interesting who just sort of came out from the jungle. Right. This is during a lot of fighting, thousands of people fleeing across the border. The resistance group that we work with collapsed in that area. All, no, no, no freedom fighters left. And I went in with four backpacks of medicine. I'm not a medic. I just, I, I would direct medics, and so I'm pretty useless. But I can stick an IV in my tenth attempt or something, and I can pray. So I thought, I'll bring this in, and I'll help one person, and they'll be glad, and I'll be glad. I have no other plan, God, except I'm going to go. I can't just sit and watch this. And out of the jungle, counterflow to all the people fleeing, came a man in full camouflage fatigues, M16 rifle, hand grenade, big red earring, um, betel nut streaming out of his mouth. And he said, my name is, he said in English, my name is Ilya, which means Elijah. I am a medic. Can I help you? And I was like, man, you're an angel, like a pirate angel. And 
It turns out later, he's a champion kickboxer. He's an amazing shot. He's a cook. He's a medic. I think we have a picture we're going to throw up on the screen. Yeah, that's him. Show. And he went to Sudan with us. And the coolest thing, we went to Sudan, that was all a God deal. I thought, only God would bring someone like that from Burma, an oppressed people, to the Nuba Mountains of Sudan, another oppressed people. So an Asian guy going to African people, and they connected. And the cool thing to me was, we all connected spiritually, professionally, physically. But he and our two ethnic guys connected tribally. And I thought, wow, God, what a cool thing. And this guy is amazing. So he's my brother. I named my son Peter Ilya. He's not perfect. He's got all kinds of help he needs prayer for. But he saved my life. And he's God's instrument. And he, he asked me once. He said, Dave, if you get kicked out of Thailand or you can't work in Burma, will you be sad? I said, man, I'll be really sad. Because that's what I do. I love you all. That's my purpose. He said, don't be sad. You don't obey and serve us. You follow the Lord. And mm -hmm. The Lord can take you anywhere. Keep your, keep your priorities straight. And that's from a kickboxer, man. So <laughs> anyway, so I met him, and we went in and started helping people, just he and I. And from that grew the Free Burma Rangers. More and more people started joining us. And the first four, was he, he's the first. The second guy was a spirit worshiper with all the spirit rings. The third guy was an atheist, and the fourth guy was a murderer. And this is who came, and we didn't vet them, saying, are you good? Do you have good theology? It was like, man, who will go? And they went. And the, what I love about the Lord, he's so patient with us. That as we went and prayed, and we pray all the time, because usually we're in trouble, and the Lord just changed all of our hearts. And every single one of those guys came to the Lord. The atheist is now the chaplain of all the Freedom Ranger teams. <laughs> the animist spirit worshiper guy, Jesus kept coming to him in dreams, and he cut his spirit rings off, and he's a believer. The murderer stopped murdering people. It's a good thing. And anyway, we're glad for that. Uh, so you, you take these teams and you send the teams out and you have a very unique mix of individuals on the team. You have a team leader. Uh, you have a medic. You have a chaplain or somebody that heads up what is called the Good Life Club where you're going to minister to kids. Right. A photographer takes still shots and a videographer. Why do you need those two guys on your team? The photographer and videographer are to go out and tell the story. The first story they tell is when we meet people who have been displaced or hiding is to show their life. We interview them, tell your story. And they're like, man, no one in the world knows and nobody cares about me. In, in Sudan, they said, tell the world about us. Because you know, when you're getting beat up and there's no 911, there's no Congress, there's no church building like this you can come appeal to, everything is wiped out. You're like, nobody cares, God doesn't care, I might as well just die, I don't count. Mm -hmm. So we come in and help tell their story for their own sake and for the world to know this is what we see. And we also go to wherever the Burma army is destroyed, including Burma army camps, get as close as we can to the Burma army, and put a light on what they're doing and say, this is what's happening and it's not right. So, so you have they, a lot of footage. Is. You have a lot, probably a lot of footage. footage. And you send it to major news organizations. All the time. CNN, what other organizations? CNN, BBC, CBS, PBS. And do they ever run it? Do they ever play it? Do they ever show it to us? A few times a year that you see a little bit. You see a snippet, but you're right. constantly feeding them saying constantly. this stuff is still going on. Yep, still so you happening. want to shine a light on it. Yes. So when you send a team out, what do you tell them to do? What are their instructions? A five-member team, you're going out, bullets are flying over there. What do you tell them? Number one, pray. Pray every step because you want to be on God's path, and he can change in a second. So you pray every step. Number two, help the people and get the news out. And number three, don't run away, man. Be the last one. When I, I was at a prayer conference, and a guy from Uganda, a pastor, came to me. He said, you know what? 
when the enemy comes to our village, you know who leaves first? The missionaries. That's what he said. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's true in his village. The missionaries. Second, the government people. Then there's no one left and the enemy comes. Where are the Livingstons of today? And I think for all of us here, God doesn't want us to run away. I mean, he tells you to run. We better run pretty fast. But it's like, go, man. That's, the, that's our purpose. And we can do it because it's not our power. It's his power. So you take these families out, especially kids, and you give them life. They wouldn't have a life otherwise. But you also want them to have new life. And we're going to show a clip called Better Life Video. And then we're going to have Karen kind of tell us a little bit about that as we close. We did a small juicy program. We gave out shirts, sang a few songs, um, and prayed and um, played games. Because the kids also need to know that their hope isn't lost and that they can still have a hope and a way to fight. GLC is Good Life Club. Good life comes from God. Out of John 10.10, God will give you abundant life. I pray for everything that needs healing. Praying for the IDPs that they can go back home and have a, have a better life wherever they're going. I love that. Good Life Club. And just to hear your son Peter talk about good life in Jesus. Tell us how that started. Well, I actually never planned to do mission work. Uh, I studied to be a special ed teacher, and I still think teaching is one of the best professions there. But uh, Dave confirmed there is a place for you on the mission field, so went and tried it. And around groups of kids, we went to villages, and I felt very overwhelmed by the needs that I saw and their situation. And I cried out to God and said, I can't take care of all these kids. I can't take care of even one. And God said, you're right. You can't, but I can. Bring them to me, and I will give them abundant life. And that verse, John 10, 10, where he says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I will give them abundant life, was such a sustainer. In that moment where I could share with those kids that I don't have the answers for you, but Jesus does, and then beyond, in Burma, in Sudan, in America, where friends have crises in their life, and even all of us have things that are overwhelming. And Jesus says, I will give you abundant life. And I don't know what that looks like. It doesn't look very abundant in places where I've been. But God says, you can't see it with your eyes. And we all know that the spiritual is much stronger than the physical. And and we have to rely on that as our source of hope. People can live a long time on hope uh, if they know what their vision is. And so that's, God says, introduce them to me and I will give them abundant life. So can these kids really have a good life? I mean, they lost parents. They've lost where they've lived and... And, and you, you give them hope. And it sounds like their outlook in life changes. I mean, they really, do they latch on to it? I hope so. I haven't talked to each one. It's a gift through our teams also. And there's so many exciting levels of sharing your faith. And I think God just calls each one of us to share our testimony. What have I done in your life? And I do that. So our teams. And these teams are amazing groups of people. And a lot of them never planned to work with kids. They wanted to go to the front line. And I stand up and say, now we're going to learn to do a kids program. And through their own experience in their life and through my testimony and those around them, they say, I can share this with kids. And maybe they've never even heard 
heard of these Bible stories. They've never met Jesus. This is not their faith, but it's introduced to them and they see a new possibility and they can introduce that to the kids. And when you're in a crisis situation, you're looking for the meaning of life and you're looking for something that has an answer. And again, God doesn't explain why things happen in the world. That's right. He just says, I am the source of abundant life and you have to rely on that promise and Go forward. This is a very unique mission. It's like a paramilitary operation with the VBS attached to it, you know? You, you, you take these kids and you, you put on these programs for them and you've even created a pack, the New Life Pack or the, uh, is that what it's called? Good Life Club. Good Life pack. Club, the, the, yeah. the pack. Tell, what's in the pack? And as it's good because abundant is a big word. That's many syllables. <laughs> so I just reduced it to good, but you're supposed to read abundant there. But so when I was visiting children and I had my own kids with me, I was again overwhelmed and thought, how can I help all these children? And another word from God was what you do for your own kids, just do more of. Hmm. And I started with a small idea that came from a Samaritan's purse, actually their shoe boxes. And that is so organized. I'm really not that competent, but I created a small little pack that people could send. It was just gifts, gifts of the heart. But from then we developed something we could give to teachers. And you see in a lot of these pictures, people have been displaced and you have a group of kids sitting around in a new area and a mom or a teacher that says let's gather and do something together and you form a school so I thought being a teacher at heart what can I do to give a parent to educate kids while they're in a transition place or if they've started a school what's something that they had to leave behind so we have sports equipment we have materials maps uh, Bibles and we can give DVDs if they have any kind of computer type thing. Uh, there's a radio that helps them listen to the news. There's funds for a development project. We started a program for high schoolers where the rangers can teach their own skills to high schoolers because they're competent to learn navigation or camera video or uh, basic medic stuff. Uh, so it's really just a pack of things that helps Maintain routine, because if you're in crisis, getting back to routine of your school and giving the teacher something to do with the kids and have them the joy of soccer or badminton is just a blessing. Beautiful. You know, um, it's been our privilege to work with them, and uh, we were just able yesterday to give them another $10,000 check for what they do with those Good Life Clubs. So all total, thank you for your um, help with them, but we've been able to give $25,000 to this team that is working over in that part of the world. So it's been it's a thrill to work with you guys and do that. And um, now let me just bring it kind of back to where we're at today. We're starting an initiative called Reload Love, and uh, what we're doing in, with this real-life couple that lives in Thailand and works in Burma. We also want to do in um, Iraq and in Syria and in the Sudan and anywhere people are caught in the crossfire of terror, especially these innocents. Because we believe that when people in the world act with hate, whether it's for political or religious reasons, that we can, with the love of Christ, begin a groundswell of love to counteract even that kind of hate. Years ago, I had a falling out with my father, and my father decided to get very aloof and cold and push me out of his life. And the Lord told me, he will not change unless he sees the love of Christ from you. 
So I decided I would love him and I would keep pouring out that love. And eventually love prevailed where before my father passed away there was a, a reconciliation. And he just broke down in tears and extended that love back. So I have seen personally what the love of Jesus can do when a person decides I'm going to step out and obey you and love people even though the world is filled with hate. So um, let's pray. We'll close with this video and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for Dave and Karen and their family and the work that they're doing in the midst of terrorism in this world. And we thank you, Lord, that we can play a role in partnering with people like this and in helping these innocent people who are just simply shot at because they belong to an ethnicity of some kind. And we just thank you, Lord, that we have what Jesus put within us to give away freely. And that's love. The love of Jesus Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. We pray you'd strengthen this family and their work in Jesus' name. Amen. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.